The views and opinions expressed by individuals on the following program do not necessarily reflect those of the network, Guys Guy Radio, and its platforms. It's Guys Guy Radio. Here's your host, Robert Manny. Welcome to Guys Guys Radio. This is your host, Robert Manny, welcoming you to the show where men and women can be at their best and everyone wins Guys Guys Radio. We're here to inform you, inspire you, empower you, and get you to think and feel, and who knows, maybe even act by virtue of the journeys, stories, experiences, and insights of the guests I bring you each and every week to the show. And this week is no exception. We've got a very special guest. Her name is Natalie Sudman. She's an artist. She's an archaeologist. She's a world traveler. And she's a psychic now. And it all started when she was working with the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers on a civilian job in Iraq. And her truck got blown up from underneath by an IED, which led to her experiencing a near-death experience. She writes about it in her book, The Application of Impossible Things, My Near-Death Experience in Iraq. And Natalie's experience was a little bit different than some of the other folks that have had near-death experiences. And I've had plenty of them on the show. And often it's uh, somebody goes through a tube and they're greeted by their family on the other side. And there's a big conversation uh, telepathically. And then there's a decision to either stay or come back to the body. She had some of that. She didn't have the going through the white tube or anything. But she was communicated with by some entities on the other side, and it was determined that she's going to come back. And I would say her job is serving, and she now works as a psychic medium as well as an artist and a writer. And I had a reading with her about a month or so ago, and it was very informative, and it helped me. And, you know, when you have these readings, you can't take everything as gospel. They're not going to tell you you when you're communicating with entities, if you will, on another dimension representing source you have to do what you're going to do. They're going to give you some insights. They're not going to predict the future specifically. And you have to uh, not rely on all these readings to live your life. And a lot of people, they want to get readings all the time and be told exactly what's coming up next. That's not, that's no way to live. The way to live is do your thing. And maybe every so often, every couple of years, you want to get some type of reading and maybe it's with a different person. That's cool. And then just listen and see, see what it is that you need to know now. That's to me the best way to do it. I always ask, what is it that I need to know right now? And you get some insights, and it turns out to be very helpful, as did my experience getting a reading with Natalie Sudman. So she's going to be our special guest on Guys Guys Radio today. What else is happening? Well, we've got a couple of things. One, we just had the 2222 portal supposedly opening, as they say. Uh, We had that date, and the idea behind it, if you've been doing some reading, that the The planet is going through a period of future ascension, a lot of light coming in. And when light comes in, a lot of times the dark forces uh, get very upset because light always overcomes dark. And coincidentally, right around that date, I think it was that day itself or the next day, we had the Russian invasion of the Ukraine, a very sad situation, which I liken to everybody standing around watching a schoolyard bully 
pick on somebody who's not really up to snuff. And how many times have we seen in the schoolyard, you know, the way a bully operates, they don't pick fights with somebody who's going to hit back too hard. It's always somebody that they can dominate. And in this case, uh, Ukraine is totally outgunned by by Russia. And it's just a sad situation because if you go back a few months, and I don't like to get into politics often on Guys Guys Radio, but this is about humanity. So Back in July, Putin pretty much laid out his game plan for wanting to take over the Ukraine, which has been sovereign for 30 years. I don't know how corrupt the government is there. Who knows? We don't know. But we do know when tanks start pulling up to the border and you have 170,000 troops and they start marching into another country, that's a takeover. That's a move. And when you have innocent civilians, women, children, old people, dying you have and being injured you have buildings and infrastructure being torn down it's just a very sad affair and what's even sadder is the world knew about this yet kept buying russian oil instead of choking them off on that and was doing very little to arm ukraine with anti-aircraft weapons and things to just keep it safe because they're overwhelmed in the air by the russians and when you own the airspace eventually you're going to win the long-term battle. So let's all pray for the Ukraine and hope that light will overcome darkness. So Guys Guys Radio, my very special guest, Natalie Sudman. I can't wait to get into this interview. So let's do it right now. It's Guys Guy Radio. Okay, Guys Guys Radio, I got a very special guest today who has had a near-death experience. I know we've had a few other folks who've experienced near-death on the show before, but uh, Natalie Sudman is very special, and her experience and her take on it is very refreshing, very different. Let me tell you a little bit about her. She was born in Montana, raised in Minnesota, earned an MFA from the University of Oregon, and she worked many years as an archaeologist in the western part of the United States. In 2006, she went to Iraq, administering construction contracts for the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, which I'm very familiar with because with my house down the Jersey Shore, twice they came by and they dredged out the ocean and actually rebuilt the beach. They do tremendous work, and uh, people aren't that aware of the great things that they do around the world that to help us out. Uh, for Natalie, while working in Iraq, the vehicle she was riding in was hit with a roadside bomb her book, Application of Impossible Things, details these experiences within that incident. She's an enthusiastic traveler. She's lived and worked all over the world, Iraq, Florida, Antarctica, Wyoming, Spain, etc. She's been to New Zealand, Europe, Mexico, the Middle East, and very briefly, China. And right now, if the, the information is up to date, she lives in southern Arizona. Her poetry and essays have been published in various literary journals. Her nonfiction book, which we're going to talk about today, The Application of Impossible Things, My Near-Death Experience in Iraq, was published by Ozark Mountain Press, and she occasionally blogs at her website, Traces of Ele Trace of Elements. Welcome to Guys Guys Radio, Natalie Sudman. Thank you very much, Robert. Nice to be here. Well, let me first say that Natalie recent read me, and after the session, I found it to be very helpful. It was about a month or so ago. I was actually listening to it last night, and I I fell asleep about halfway through, but that's a good thing because it relaxed me and it was great to hear 
what Source had to say through Natalie to me. So thank you again for that, Natalie. And I, you'll find if you want to get a reading from her, she's very much in demand, but it's worth the wait. So for context, Natalie, let's start at the beginning. How'd you find yourself working in Iraq as a civilian working for the U.S. Army Corps of Engineer? And prior to your accident, what was that like? So um, I was employed by the Bureau of Land Management out in southeastern Oregon, and I was doing I was doing archaeology, but I was doing a lot of administrative work, which I didn't really enjoy. I wanted to be back outside, so I was looking for other work. And in the process of doing that, um, the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers put out a call to all government agencies asking for help with. Um, Hurricane Katrina cleanup. So I volunteered for that uh, twice. So I spent about two and a half months down in Louisiana and Mississippi. And during the course of that work, I met um, some people who had either been to Iraq or Afghanistan or were planning to go. And they, they told a bunch of us that we had job, we could get jobs in Iraq if we wanted to. And I didn't really take that seriously at the time, but a friend called me a couple months later and said, hey, we've got jobs in Iraq. You want to go? I said, sure. <laughs> I got the phone and thought, oh, do I really want to go <laughs> to Iraq of all places? I did want to go overseas, but I didn't really want to work in Iraq. But I thought, well, yeah, let's go see what's going on over there. And um, so... I deployed in August of 2006, and um, what was it like? Boy, I don't know how to sum that up. <laughs> I was administering construction contracts, which um, I had a couple different positions within that, but basically there, there were roads, there were um, water treatment plants, um, uh, health clinics, uh, Coast Guard facilities, police stations. There was all kinds of different projects that Iraqi contractors were building and, and with, with money from the United States. So basically the, the rebuilding effort in Iraq. Where, where you were stationed, Natalie, did you feel like, like was this a hot spot? Was this a real, I mean, obviously all of Iraq was a hot spot, but was, did you feel like you were in a prime danger zone or was it an area where it was more about rebuilding and it wasn't really where the fighting was going on? It wasn't where the fighting was going on. I was, I was down in the south in Basra province. It was very quiet when I first got there in August. And a few months later, they, uh, the army, the U.S. Army did, um, they put a lot of pressure on some of the areas up north and that chased um, a lot of the action down south into our sector. So by maybe by January, February, in my memory, I would have to check this. Um, in my memory, by by late winter, we were getting uh barrages of incoming probably between four and eight times a day. Um, so mortars and rockets, and it got a lot more dangerous to go outside the wire because there were a lot more IDs. Okay. That fateful day, um, you were in the truck, I guess, and it got hit by an IED from underneath. So tell us mm -hmm. for our audience who are not familiar with you, what happened? 
because everything changed at that point. So I was in the truck kind of half asleep, head on hand, because it had been a long day outside the wire of construction site visits. I was pretty tired. and, And so I was kind of half asleep. And then suddenly I was not. I was standing on a little stage with thousands of beings all around. But if you imagine kind of a stadium setting, that might be close to what this was like. And and I was not confused about what was going on. I knew exactly where I was and I knew exactly what I was doing. And what I was doing was downloading information to these beings. And when I was finished downloading that information, um, then I, t- I communicated to them that I wasn't interested in going back into the body. I was done. And they, um, they accepted that and then said, well, you know, that's fine. But what if you went back and did this? <laughs> oh, yeah, that sounds really fun. <laughs> so the same way I got to Iraq, I got back into a body, I guess. Um, and these, um, these beings, I think, I don't remember how I described it in the book, but I have talked about the communication with these beings as as a a form of telepathy but it really is much much maybe much simpler than that it's really just kind of opening up and making information available and it it's 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 taken in it it's comprehended in an instant so it's not i would say it's more conceptual than it is verbal certainly Uh, and the information that i was downloading to them i i think i describe it as broadly cultural and by that i mean that if you th- if you think of uh information all the way from the level of interpersonal communication or relationships within any culture all the way to perceiving a culture as a broad flow or organization of energy there was information um, on all the levels between those and maybe beyond that as well. Did you know like, okay, I got blown up. Here I am. I totally understand this. You know, a lot of folks have the experience that some I've talked to, some I've read about where, you know, they go through the tunnel and then they get met by their father or something or Jesus and, you know, they get a hug and, and I'm not, I'm trying, I'm not trying to dismiss that by any means but your experience was different and you seem very aware of you know here i am on the stage i'm downloading these quote-unquote beings which have a lot of different types of definitions they were not human but they had human aspects you communicated telepathically with them and then you realize that you had your choice and you decided to come back do you think natalie that this was part of uh, your experience was part of I know you say later in the book, uh, we kind of get what we expect. In other words, when you die, if you expect Jesus to meet you, you'll probably met, be met by Jesus. If you expect alligators, maybe you'll be chasing around with by alligators or whatever. It's kind of what, what you determine. That's kind of what you get. Well, I think that that certainly has a lot of influence. I'm not going to say that everybody gets that. Maybe we get what we need <laughs> instead of mm-hmm. what we expect. But I think that I think that we retain a lot of the beliefs and the perception that we have while we're in the physical 
when when we leave the physical, at least for a while, and maybe for only a few moments, moments for some people, and maybe for um, quite a long time for other people. I think if you if you think about standing in a doorway, I don't know if you ever did this, and pushing out with your arms against the doorway, and then you step out of the doorway and your arms just go right up. Right. I think of it in that kind of way, a muscle reflex. Like we're used to concentrating and 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 um, holding our our awareness in this body and this reality. And I think that it may uh, it may take a few moments or a, a lot longer to to get that to relax and to kind of return to or restore our perception to something much larger. Mm-hmm. When That's you okay, um, very fair. When you were uh, there, then did you you said that you want to stay? You didn't want to go back. Were you aware of the injuries, the injury factor, and you'd have a lot of rehab and stuff like that? Or what was, if you don't mind my asking, if it's not too personal, why did you want to stay? Oh, it's so comfortable. (laughs) (laughs) It's just, you know, you feel like people talk about the love. And I guess, I mean, I could talk about it that way, but, but I think that we often, if we talk about love, we think of it of an emotion. And I'm going to say that I was in the, in the state of love as a state of being. We all were. And so the way that feels is that I belong here. I have a place here. I'm respected. Everybody else is respected. Everybody gets along. There's no tension. There's no, there's no competition. There's no um, friction. It's very, very easy. And it's very freeing. It feels very creative. It feels very um, smooth and complete. It feels, it just feels really good. (laughs) And it's hard to be here, you know? That's that's true. We're all squeezed (laughs) into these 3D bodies. We get Mm -hmm. busted up and stuff. So, well, thank you for coming back, by the way, because you have so much to (laughs) offer. So thank you. But so when you were there, did you recognize any of the, the beings? Was there anything, I don't know what you know, friends, family, relatives, any of that stuff? I didn't recognize them, any of them as people that I know in this lifetime. I didn't really look in that way. I was very much in that place. I really, really left behind this physical world. I did. I wasn't kind of looking for, oh, where's my grandparents? Or mm-hmm. um, I, I didn't, I didn't do that. Maybe I would have later. I don't know if I would have stayed, but I didn't, I wasn't really interested. Um, the, when I go back to that, to that, those thousands of beings, that gathering, um, many of them were familiar to me. I feel like, oh, I feel like a lot of us knew each other. There was not a lot of, um, there was no sense of kind of introducing ourselves to each other. It felt like most of us at least knew of each other. Natalie Sudman, my very special guest on Guys Guys Radio. I'm looking at her book right here, The Application of Impossible Things, My Near-Death Experience in Iraq, and the fascinating conversation. So when what, what did they communicate to you as a uh, 
offering in terms of, hey, you know, maybe if you went back, you could do this and you spark to that. Are you are you do you feel comfortable talking about that? I don't really remember all of it. I remember little pieces of it. And the reason that I don't talk about that in my book and I won't I won't talk about it here is because I think that um, people get very um, competitive in a sense of hierarchies. Um, you know, I can say, well, I came back to do this and this and people go, yeah, she's more important. She's doing something more important than I am. Right. Or uh, I'm doing st- more important stuff than that. When really everything, whatever each person is doing is is vital. It's important. It matters. And there's no hierarchy to it. And also, um, my business is mine. I feel like your business is yours and you should do it and you should like do it with all your heart and I'll do mine with all my heart and, and everything will work out. So I was, I was hesitant to talk about it because of those reasons. And like I said, I don't remember all of it. I think that, um, I think sometimes if we know, uh, I'll say too much as a conscious human personality, it, it can almost get in our way because we think too much and because we, we think, um, in, in hierarchical ways or critical ways about ourselves or other people or jobs that we do or things that we're doing. It may also be that I don't remember some of it because it wouldn't make sense to me as in my cultural context. Okay. I think, you know, it's interesting. I think some of your experiences sound like some other folks, but they came across a little bit differently and some, some are different. So that's cool because everybody has an individual experience in life any, anyway. So when, when you made the decision to come back, uh, you had some healing. You went through what you call the, the healing environment. And I think you were with these beings and you were kind of working together. And you and one of them kind of got kind of close and were vibing with each other, working on you, fixing you. Another person, another, excuse me, guide, whatever, personality was more observant of that. And they, you made some decisions with this one being as to what you would fix how you would fix it? What would you kind of leave to be fixed on when you went back? Could you talk to us a little bit about that? Because that's a fascinating experience. Yeah. So um, it, we were kind of hovering up above the the truck, the whole scene of the truck on the desert, and from that position, we could see the truck and the four of us in it. But we could also see our bodies as organizations of energy. And we would kind of do the equivalent of waving a hand and we would set different injuries in my body. And then we would see a kind of um, holographic instant that described the rest of my life with those injuries. And we were, we were really playing around at first. We would, we would give, put some shrapnel in my brain and watch me try to negotiate the rest of my life with these cognitive difficulties. (laughs) Right. And we thought that was hilarious from that perspective. We thought that was very, very funny (laughs) or we would sever my right hand and then try, you know, watch me 
try to negotiate the rest of my life doing everything with my left hand, which again, to us from that perspective was very, very funny because uh, our lives from that perspective are, are an instant. They're very, they're very short and they, they exist within a much broader context. You know, we use the context of birth, growth, uh, aging, death, and we put everything in that context and expect everything to make sense from within that context. But if we broaden that context to include um, whatever comes before this and whatever comes after this, then this lifetime maybe um, in some ways shrinks in in its importance. And I don't mean that it doesn't become, it doesn't remain important, but um, certain aspects of it may not be as dire as we feel that they are when we're in it. So anyway, it did. eventually we, we set my injuries. Um, I chose the injuries. I set them in my body and I chose them. I understood that I chose them keeping in mind what I would be doing when I came back into this body so that uh, they would help set me up for whatever I was going to do or help me within whatever I was going to do. And um, I think that, well, I know that remembering that I, I chose these injuries and that I set them in my body gave me a and still gives me a very, very different perspective on rehab and, um, you know, my wonky sight in one eye. And I don't, I'm not, I'm not a victim of anything. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I simply chose something that, that was valuable for me. Why do you think you chose this to happen to you? Have you asked yourself that? And if it's too personal, I understand. Yeah, I have. Um, I think that what I think that I gave myself certain exit points from this lifetime, and that um, when I came to this kind of general exit point, I went, "Yeah, I think I'm done." And I think that see, this is going to sound like a little puffed up or something, but I don't mean it that way. Um, When I look at the different ways that I could have exited, what I'm shown is that the way that I chose to get blown up within a war zone as a civilian within a war zone, um, that had a a far-reaching effect on on many, many, many people uh, having to do with the futility of violence, having to do with the futility of war, having to do with um, with changing the way uh, people perceive conflict. I don't, mm-hmm. there's layers to that, but um but I think that what when I look at that, I'm shown that there was there was a reason that I chose that in particular because I I liked 
I liked um, the effects that it would have, let's say. Amazing. Uh, Natalie Sudman, my guest on Guys Guys Radio, a fascinating story. And uh, she's so, you are an artist, Natalie. She's so articulate and uh, visual about how she frames everything that happens. So you really get a, a different and a very fresh perspective on the near-death experience, experience, if you will. The name of the book, Application of Impossible Things, My Near-Death Experience in Iraq. Did you, during that time, and I want to get back, we're going to get back into the 3D in a moment, but did you feel or think or believe that you, or have you learned anything from that experience that was kind of an, oh, wow, I hadn't really thought that before. I hadn't really seen the world that way. Was there anything that happened in there that was a eye opener for you or an awake that provided an awakening, if you will? I think choosing my injuries was was one of those moments. Then I also describe later after I had um, after I'd come back to consciousness, the guys had come and gotten us out of the trucks and somebody had laid me down on the ground and I kept looking around and trying to trying to see what was going on around me. And all I could ever see really were the people who were directly interacting with me. And, and when I went back into that later, what I was shown was that everybody there was in their, in a sense, in their own timeline. And that, and that we, we came together um, maybe at different points in each of our timelines. Um, God, <laughs> this is hard to describe. <laughs> It's hard to describe in my you, book. I probably no, you're do doing a, you're doing a great job. No, no, no. You're doing a great <laughs> okay. job. I to, I totally get okay. it. I hope every, I hope our listeners do. But I get I get exactly what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, I Please hope so. Saying. Yeah. So it, it it that time and space are so fluid. You know, I, I can think that. You know, I, oh yeah, I kind of understand. Time is relative and blah blah blah. But but then when I experienced it, it was like oh oh wow. <laughs> I, I still don't know what to do with it. You know, I can't walk around thinking like that all the time. I think I would feel nuts, but, but it, it, it's a really drastic change in the way we perceive time and space. Okay. And that, that was very so, um, new. So you come back and I guess part of your experience now is you see things a, a little bit differently based on that experience. But what kind of what happened? So you had your injuries, you had to go through the healing process in the 3D world. How did you start to say or deploy your 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 gift or realize, oh, this is the gift I have? Or was it something that was clearly communicated to you in the blink environment where this is the thing? You interest into it? Yeah, I'm into it. Okay, let's go back. But when you came back, did you have that? Did you know, okay, this is what I'm supposed to do and just start doing it? Or how did that because you had to heal your body? You had to kind of get reacquainted with life in the 3D, and then you had to move forward. How did that go? Yeah, I think um, doing the work is more, well, the book was part of that, and maybe the most obvious. Um, I think a lot of it is simply a way of being. It's not that I have to do this or that. It's simply holding a certain kind of awareness and a certain chord c-h-o-r-d of um of frequencies 
that maybe allows for other people to sort of wake up to their themselves and and their chords or anyway um yeah i think that uh well when i was in walter reed i would tell myself the story of of once I was, once I came back into my body, I would tell myself that story of the truck was still rolling down the road. And um, I, when it came to a stop, I tried to get um, a couple of guns out just in case this was a coordinated attack. I couldn't get them out. I didn't hear anybody. Um, so I thought, well, that's okay. I looked for the black box because you push the red button and everybody in Iraq knows that you've been hit. And um, there wasn't a black box in our truck. And, you know, I kind of walked myself through all of this over and over and over again. I wanted to remember this. I kept saying to myself, I want to remember the truth of this story. I want to remember it the true way. And it wasn't until I was out of Walter Reed for a month or two and I was I was lying on the couch where I spent most of my days at that point. Um, after doing a few rehab exercises. And I thought, you know, I remember all that part very, very clearly, but I went somewhere. So where did I go? What happened there? And I closed my eyes and I, boom, it was like, it was like reliving the whole thing again in a very, very vivid way. And I thought, wow, okay. So maybe this is what I was supposed to be remembering. Wow. So do you have any further communication with the personalities and the guides and the beings you will from that blink environment now that you're back in 3D? Do you do you stay in touch? I know you do your work and obviously you tap into source to get information to help people kind of get a look at what could happen, how they might things they may consider, how they can kind of live their best lives. Do you stay in touch with them, though, the uh, those individuals who are in the uh, stadium? Or is it more that you now have a more uh, you're more aware of the direct connection that we all have with source and you tap that when you read people? I think I do both. Um, I think that there are times when that the information available through that gathering is very, very useful in a reading or to myself. Um, maybe especially when I look at the state of the world, for instance, or, um, um, you know, like cultural things, politics and things like that. Um, somehow those, somehow the information coming from them is very useful. Um, and those eight or nine guides right at the end, just before I came back into the truck and into my body, um, I interact with them quite a bit, maybe two or three of them a lot. Um, They feel very much like, I guess, what people call guides. That's fascinating. Have you had much communication with other folks who have had uh, NDEs, and do you, if so, do you find that, oh yeah, there's some similarities and there's some things that are very, very different? I haven't had a lot of contact with people who have had NDEs. I've had some. I think that what I usually end up thinking is, oh, um, that was very similar to what I experienced here. We're just describing it differently or we're translating it differently. Um, and I think that 
oh, like the tunnel that most people, that many, many people describe. I've experienced that in, in other in other experiences. And the way I experience it is that, you know, when you go really, really fast, what's right beside you turns into a blur. And that's what, that's what creates the tunnel in my experiences. It may be that people are really going through a tunnel tunnel, but that was my experience. So um, I think often that differences are more, um, differences in um in translation let's say i'm going i maybe if i had stayed with the um, presbyterian church i would be describing these these beings as angels and um maybe i would have translated my experience very differently for instance okay you had some interesting quotes in the book i'll just let me throw a couple out there and I just shape them a little bit like Pur- purpose is a personal choice. Decisions are made purely on whether I would enjoy it. If something's not enjoyable, don't do it. And I think you expose that to others. And I m- remember during our reading that basically it's like, do what you like to do. That's what people need to do. And you, you determine that you are going to do what makes you happy. And that's end of, end of story in a really good way. Could you talk to us about that? Because so many people, as you know, in our 3D world, you know, we're very much uh, repetitive in terms of we relive the, you know, things that we've kind of been tracking with. We do this, we get that, we do this, we get that. It doesn't really have to work that way that people think the harder I work, I'm going to get this and doesn't necessarily work that way either. And a lot of times people resign themselves to lives and jobs and things like that, that they really could break free of, but they don't give themselves the opportunity based on the beliefs, which would be, oh, if I leave this, I'm not going to have any money or I'll fail. And you're setting yourself up for failure just with that thinking. Yeah, um, I'm going to maybe take it in a little bit different direction. I think that um, I think that in most cultures, we are taught who we are. We're taught that, um, well, our parents tell us who we are, our teachers, our peers, our bosses, our colleagues, our friends, you're supposed to be like this. You're supposed to feel this way in certain instances. Um, You're supposed to do this kind of work. Um, This kind of work is spiritual. This kind of work is not. Um, And I think that um, when we can get to know ourselves from the inside out, like, who am I? I am an infinite being having an experience through this body. I'm not the body through these thoughts. I'm not these thoughts through these emotions. I am not the emotions. I'm the one having these experiences through them. So who is that I that I'm talking about? And when we get to know that being from the inside out, then we can start to understand that nobody makes us feel any certain way. We get to choose how we feel. And nobody tells us that we have to be a certain way we can take that infinity into whatever we do. And when we know ourselves as that spiritual divine being, we take that with us into any job. You don't have to be a healer or, you know, I mean, that's great if, if that's what you do, but, but um, you know, people say, well, I want a more spiritual job. I'm like, what's more spiritual than what you're doing? Yeah, Walk the, around make, in the world being that being. Exactly. Make the best pizza, whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. Just do, it, just do right. a good job. 
Right. Natalie, what do you think about kind of what's going on in, in the world today based on your experience? I'm just throwing this kind of out of left field at you. You know, we just had the uh, two, 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 two thing happening. Uh, and then we have this potential war going on in uh, the Ukraine. And and a lot of people say, oh, there's all this ascension stuff happening right now. All these rays are coming through and it's going to change. And what what it's it's very confusing. I, I just think for right now, you know, we had the election was confusing, the COVID thing was confusing in a lot of ways. There's a lot of confusion going on right now where people are saying, oh, everything's gonna change, it's gonna be bad, but then it's gonna be really good. And then, oh, look, here's war over here, stock market tanking. It's just uh, there's a lot of pressure on people and they don't know where to think and they don't trust the usual institutions that they have trusted in the past. What 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 do you, what's your take on what's going on? Well, what I am shown is that um, that the very structure of this reality is deliberately shifting with our agreement and with our help, humanity, and um, and that it's shifting in ways that are very positive. Like we've taken this experiment with separation about as far as we can go without destroying ourselves. True. <laughs> and it's time to remember that we aren't separate, that we're all one, that we have to work together, that um, that everything is alive and, and everything is of God, everything. It, ha- it has to be all of source or not of source, right? <laughs> It's all of source. And so what I'm shown is that as this shift takes place, there are uh, there are there are things that have to be brought up into the open in order to be cleaned up. So if you think of uh, you have a closet that you've been shoving things into for 40 years or 400 or 4,000. <laughs> and in order to clean that, you can't just go, well, I'll just paint over it. <laughs> I'll just nail the door <laughs> shut, which is what we've kind of been doing. Right. You have to open that up and pull everything out. Well, now you've got a huge mess, but now you can see everything and you can start to pick through things and cl- no, we don't need this anymore. This has never been functional. This is not going to work. And we can clean out the inside of that closet and repaint it. And then whatever we've got left, we can clean that up and put it in the closet. And now we've got functional things in the closet and a functional closet. And so um, it, it looks to me like we're in the midst of pulling all that stuff out of the closet. And we're just going to have a big mess in various ways until things really start to sort out. And, and I think that, um, I think that it's a time where it's very, very important for individuals to hold their, uh, awareness in peace and in balance and in the awareness that we're all one. And I think that, um, I think that's it's important to hold that center and act from that center, not to act from anger and not to act from fear and resentment. I think that that's those are the things we're trying to get rid of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. 
Last question, um, uh, and it's even a bigger question. People, I think, around the planet and a lot, all of our listeners, they want to want to have a more direct connection with spirit. And you said it like, if we if we can identify and see everything through as as part of divinity, whether it's a person, a rock, a bird, a tree, your pencil, everything is divinity. And if divinity is love, then everything is love. And once you start to see things that way, then you'll create a more loving world, and we can collectively raise our vibration. A lot of people have, uh, I think, tr- uh, struggles getting started. For instance, something like higher self. They don't understand. And sometimes I wrestle with this also. Okay, I want to connect with my higher self. What is the higher self? Is that all the lives I've lived? Is it my guardian angel? Is it like a, st- a stepping stone between myself and source? What is the higher self, Natalie? I would say it's the best you. I think that maybe everyone has a moment in their lives where they felt like they were their best self, whether that, whether someone else brought that out in them or, or a experience brought that out in them, or they were just out in nature and just suddenly felt like I belong. I belong here. I know who I am. And And I think that um, remembering those moments, noticing those moments, and then um, practicing recreating that within yourself, whether that's through um, meditation, walking meditation, swimming meditation, sitting meditation. Um, I think meditation is a very, very effective way to, um, to contemplate and ponder and open up to um, that higher self, which is that core self really um, unfolding for you instead of, you know, I think a lot of people think that they have to acquire something to get that higher self. You're already that higher self. Just allow it, get out of its way. Great, great lesson. Thank you so much. My special guest on Guys Guys Radio, Natalie Sudman, my near-death experience in Iraq. The name of the book is Application of Impossible Things. It's very different. It's very interesting. It's an artist and an intellectual's take on her experience. And it's quantum and it's fascinating. And thank you so much, Natalie, for everything you're doing for mankind with your message and sharing your experience for your readings. You did a great reading. And thank you, Source, for coming through you to help me with that. And thank you for being on Guys Guys Radio. And please tell everybody where they can learn more about you and get your book, et cetera. Oh, okay. So the book is available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble, or I'm sure your independent bookstore can order it. And um, I have a website with my art and some writing at nsudman.com. My blog is at traceofelements.com. There's also like all the other interviews that I've done can be found on there and information about the readings that I do can be found at tracevelements.com. And I have an author page on Facebook where I paste, um, post different quotes every day with a piece of artwork. So if you like that kind of thing, go ahead and just find that and uh, check in every day. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for being our guest on Guys Guys Radio. Keep doing what you're doing. You're really helping the planet. You're helping humanity and you've helped me. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Robert. It's Guys Guy Radio.
Okay, what a fascinating conversation with Natalie Sudman. We got into her near-death experience, how she works as a psychic medium, her book, The Application of Impossible Things, and what did we learn? Well, I think we learned that, and I've often heard this because I've interviewed a lot of folks who've had near-death experiences, and uh, to a person they say a couple of consistent things. And each one, of course, has a unique experience. They're not all exactly the same, but the things that I've heard that are consistent is that time is not linear once you get out of this third dimension where we live, and everything's kind of happening at the same time. And there are also different timelines and different potential outcomes to different situations. For instance, when Natalie was talking about when they were kind of, she was working with one of these entities that were, and together they were repairing her body, and they could see, well, if I fix this hand here, uh, or I don't fix this hand here, this is how my life could play out. And if I fix this or, or don't fix this kind of uh, laceration on my skull, this is how things may play out and some of the challenges I may have. So, you know, what you have to do is when you, when you go work with the, in the psychic area, you have to be open to the fact that not everything is going to be as we expect it. Not everything is going to be linear. Time is, is very different. And I think the message, the main takeaway is we need to be open, open-minded about the fact that we, not, we may not be seeing everything there is to see out there and that there's a lot more available to us and we all have a lot more power than we think we do and also that the universe, despite all the horrible things that are happening in the world and have happened in the world over history, the universe is a, is a loving universe and it's up to us to tap into that and follow that and be vigilant about not falling in with the dark. So, Guys Guys Radio, we're here every Wednesday evening at 8 p.m. Pacific Time on KCAA Radio in Southern California. 102.3, 106.5 FM, 10.50 AM. The show is rebroadcast on KCAA every Sunday at 6 p.m. Pacific Time. My podcast, Guys Guys Radio, is launched every Thursday on over uh, hundreds of outlets. We're in 101 countries right now, so there's so many different outlets. Pretty much you can consume the show anywhere you consume your podcast. And our YouTube, our new YouTube channel, is available every Thursday when on the YouTube we feature the interview itself. So you can watch the interview, the opening in the show, and the closing after the interview are on the podcast and radio. And that's how we roll on Guys Guys Radio. But there's no excuse not to be able to find us and to listen to us and to really vibe with Guys Guys Radio. And I'm so proud and pleased and grateful that we have this show to put information out there that'll help people in their everyday lives. And I, again, as I always say, I pick guests, I pick the guests, and I go through my own filtration process and qualifying process. I want people to come onto the show who have had different experiences, who can offer some new, fresh insights that can help people, and that uh, pass my kind of litmus test to like, hmm, could I potentially vibe with that? And again, I don't expect everybody to vibe with every single thing my guests have to say, but I think it's worthwhile to at least consider what people have to say and say, hey, you know, there's more out there that may, maybe that I've had the opportunity to think about, and there's a lot of things that I could digest 
And I think Guys Guys Reader can help me get some new information that could help me lead my best life. So that's what we do here. You can also catch me all over social media. I'm on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. My website is robertmanny.com. I've got over 300 blog posts about life, love, and the pursuit of happiness on there. Every subject you can dream of, we cover, and it's all free. And you can also download three free chapters of my novel, The Guy's Guy's Guide to Love, which is really the source material for everything Guy's Guy. It's about two men in advertising competing for love, sex, power, and money in New York City. And it's about love and redemption and friendship and frenemies and sex and power. And it's a lot of fun. And it's been called The Male Successor to Sex in the City. And that's how we roll. I wrote that book a few years ago. People seem to really enjoy it because it's a fun book. It's authentic for women. It gives them an insight, a kind of a peek behind the curtain into the weird, wacky world of men and their bizarre dating habits. And for guys, they can look at it and read it and say, man, that's kind of how we roll. So <laughs> the guy's guy's guide to love, you can pick it up on Amazon or wherever you buy your books. You can get a physical copy or a digital copy and I hope you have fun with it. And again, you can download three free chapters on my website, robertmanny.com. We've got a whole bunch of great guests coming over the next month or so. I've got Don Miguel Ruiz Jr. coming up. I've got Lee Carroll, who channels Cryon. I've got a fellow by the name of Clint Rogers, who works with a Indian doctor, Naram who has all kinds of really fascinating stories about different types of alternative Ayurvedic protocols and considerations on health stuff. And uh, it's all coming up over the next month. So hang in there with us. We've got a lot more great shows. Until then, I want to thank my producer, Chris, for doing such a wonderful job, my strategic partner, Ryan, and also my guests. But most of all, I'd like to thank you for being with me on Guys Guys Radio. And I will see you next week. And until then, like I always like to say, guys, guys, finish first. <laughs>